Ready? Let's do this. John, this is all you. Oh, I'm starting it? Go ahead. Why are you smiling like that? You don't think I could do it? Because I put conditioner in my hair last night, and now it looks so shiny. I just love looking at myself now in my hair, my shiny hair. All right, John, start the show. Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to winning and losing money on the 2020 election and related catastrophes. I am your host, Long John Silver, along with my friends, Kid Midas and Starly Quinn. Hi. Thank you, Long John. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's been quite a week, guys, right? We've had a vice presidential uh, announcement. (laughs) We have had continued COVID chaos, a potential sabotage of the USPS, or as I like to refer to it, the USPUS. No. And now we have the Democratic National Convention coming up. So we've got a lot to talk about today. (laughs) Was that that good high energy? This is incredible. (laughs) I'm just waiting for the crash. I know this crash is coming in like three minutes. No, it's not. I got five hour energy right here. I'm going to keep going. Why don't we first talk about what happened last week? We had a historic announcement. Yeah. Last week's bets. That's right. We bet on Kamala Harris. We were certain. David was more certain than anybody, but he didn't really put his money where his mouth was. And we did. And we had quite a ride. (laughs) (laughs) tell us about that ride starly you go for it because starly was loving life i it was so stressful it was a 48 hour block of mania where everybody was pumping and dumping before they announced the day before even the announcement there was this like crazy 10 minutes where predicted it looked like the grid was going out it looked like what we imagined y2k was going to (laughs) be right it was (laughs) overloaded (laughs) that was crazy that was absolutely crazy. I was like John where I had the laptop and the phone. Oh my god. You're you're doing the Bloomberg terminal mode. <laughs> screen 1, screen 2, trading, screen 1, screen 2, arbitrage. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to take the laptop on the walk with the dog with me. That would have been a good look. Yeah. Kamala wasn't even on top until minutes before the actual announcement. Yeah. On the day of the announcement, rice spiked twice. And went up to something like 80. And then in the last 10 minutes before the actual official announcement, she started to crash. And at that point, I thought, well, she's just crashing like she has the last few times and she's going to rebound. So I started buying a ton of her. But she did not rebound at that point. During that spike, I sold my rice in the 60s and made $140. Nice. Which I think just evened out my other money that I had put into the other candidates. Look, the bottom line was it was incredibly exciting and you had a lot of fun, whether you made <laughs> money or not, right? I did make money off Kamala. Kamala, I made $250. What? That's great. Unbelievable. You made $250 on Kamala Harris? Yeah. So, John, in the end, how much money did you make on Kamala Harris being the vice presidential nominee? I made $900, technically $887 on uh, Harris and also on the timing market. So for that day, I made $887. I was happy that I made that, but it wasn't very efficient. I had a lot of money tied up, so the return wasn't amazing. How much money did you have tied up in the vice presidential world? It was like $1,700 or something. This is what I'll say about predicted, about betting on that VP market in the end. Those last few days, I no longer had my own opinion about anything. I never longer cared if David was right or wrong. I just wanted it to be Kamala. For money reasons, though, right? Only money reasons. Only money reasons. But I will say, she was the one that I was the least excited about. Once 
she was chosen as soon as she was chosen. And I started to see all the posts about her and the pictures. I got, I got so emotional and felt so protective of her. I felt overcome with emotion about it. And I've talked to other women who have said this. I think it's a generational thing because younger women who I'm talking to aren't feeling this, like younger progressives. Right. Because I think they just didn't, they haven't needed it for as long as right. it turns out I have needed it. And I know there's very valid reasons why people are upset about Kamala. I I agree with those reasons. But it is striking how much I f- how just how much I feel about it. And when Biden did his speech and said we have to st- uh, stand up for her, I was I was walking the dog watching his speech and I and I broke down sobbing. Whoa. And as much as I guess Kamala wasn't surprising as a choice, it was my reaction to it was so surprising to me. Does it make you more excited to vote for Biden in November? It does because it makes me like him more because his not being threatened by picking someone who's going to steal the show from him says a lot about him. The, The best thing about Biden is he's got a sense of duty. It's unfortunate that we think like the package of him is what we believe is the only thing that can fix anything. But I do think he's there to help. I would just say, if you're like me and you've never been a real fan of Kamala Harris because of her policies and her history as a prosecutor or whatever, an easy way to get totally excited to vote for her is just to go on right-wing Twitter and see the types of things that Donald Trump Jr. is saying about her, because then it's like, oh, Kamala Harris is an Antifa socialist warrior? Oh, okay. (laughs) But John, the VP market, it seemed at the end like a very exciting market. And you said in the text... This is the best to predict it gets. So I just feel like as far as markets to invest our souls into, it was a pretty good pick, I think. It was very exciting. It really was. I was I was kind of depressed the next day because, I mean, that was like the Super Bowl until, you know, the general election. There really isn't going to be much. And that ended up being the, the, the highest volume market ever on predicted. See, David? See? People like it. I... People were excited by this market. It was interesting to find out that it was Rice uh, and Warren and Whitmer was a finalist as well. It was those four. To predict it, had it right except for Warren because Warren never climbed at the end. No, but David was right from the beginning. David said, there's no question. It's the only choice. I wish I had asked David to predict how I was going to feel about it. I don't understand a woman's heart (laughs) when it comes to representation. No, but you could have applied your philosophy that you're so good at. Starly is trolling me now because, unfortunately, the legacy of this entire VP market kerfuffle, Harris's historic achievement, is going to be overshadowed by my errors in philosophical history. I was called out for this on Twitter. And it's a fitting end to what I always felt like was a pointlessly drawn out pseudo drama about who Biden was going to pick. And I guess the best thing is just to address it head on, get in front of the scandal. (laughs) So I'm going to do that now. We're all listening. Weeks ago when discussing that I should have a little piece of paper and I should be behind the (laughs) rustling paper sounds. Thank you for coming to my press conference over the next 20 minutes. I hope to address some... Questions and concerns that the audience has about my interpretation of Wittgenstein's <laughs> posthumous text, Uncertainty, especially in regards to how it pertains to the Kamala Harris debate. I am a proud philosophy major from a liberal arts college in Ohio. In 1993, I traveled to England to study philosophy at the 
University of Sussex, where I was introduced to the world-shaking philosophy of Ludwig Wittgenstein at Cambridge University. Like many grumpy and judgmental white male undergraduates, I was captivated by Ludwig Wittgenstein's austere, take-no-prisoners, judgmental, philosophical style. I went so far as to hitchhike to Cambridge and visit his gravesite. I also traveled to London to see the, an early screening of Derek Jarman's film Wittgenstein, his <laughs> biopic about the late philosopher. I just have to say to everyone who stood beside me during this trying time, I really appreciate it. And that's what makes the next thing I have to say all the more difficult. In trying to articulate how sure I was of Harris being the pick for Joe Biden's vice president, I made erroneous references to Wittgenstein's book on certainty published after he died in which I misremembered him saying that he was so certain that he had two hands nothing could convince him otherwise I said that Kamala Harris being the choice for Biden was like me being sure I had two hands I thought this was very clever and amusing and would make our podcast subscriber base go through the roof as fans of analytic philosophy have been proven to also be ravenous consumers of podcasts and also have <laughs> deep pockets, which I thought would help our meager Patreon fundraising efforts, patreon.com slash election profit makers. <laughs> Imagine my horror when I went on Twitter and ego surfed my own name only to find a user call me out for misrepresenting Wittgenstein's arguments over the course of two separate weeks of podcasting. Much to my chagrin, this Twitter user was right. It was not Wittgenstein, but rather his fellow Cambridge analytic philosopher, G.E. Moore, who initially made the argument about the two hands as a refutation of the skeptical argument as to the nature of an outside world. Moore's... <laughs> Just imagine if this was Trump. Imagine if this was Trump at a podium saying these words. We would all be so surprised. Be like, God damn, did you see Trump's press conference? What, the one about how there's not enough water coming out of a shower? No, not that one. Oh, the one about how Black Lives Matter is burning down the cities? No, not that one. Oh, the one where he was crying because he misremembered which was G.E. Moore's argument, which was Wittgenstein's argument. Back to this radio drama. Rather than originating the two hands argument, Wittgenstein was actually summarizing and refuting G.E. Moore's argument, refuting the skeptical argument. Wittgenstein went on to say that being sure you have two hands, then, uh, actually, I don't even know how to articulate this part in my press conference. I'm too broken up. But basically, I got Wittgenstein's argument about the two hands exactly backwards. I guess in my defense, I could say that I haven't really read Wittgenstein in almost 20 years. But on the other hand, I spoke with authority about something that I was not qualified to speak about, and in doing so, may have led some of our younger podcast listeners, such as Beckett, <laughs> to a faulty understanding of the nature of Wittgenstein's and his relationship to his own two hands. And for that, I am truly sorry. I will take some time away from the microphone to reflect and grow, to learn to be a better ally to analytic philosophy of early to mid-20th century Cambridge philosophers. Mm. 
Thank you for your patience. I'm sorry I've betrayed your trust. Sincerely, Kid Midas of Election Profit Makers. That was well done, David. Thank you. I know that was not easy. Moving on. Yes, John. There's been a lot of talk about the Postal Service. What's going on, John? What are they saying? Talk to us about us pus, as you call it. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to make me want to destroy the post office. Pelosi has called an emergency session, bringing Congress back in to come up with some kind of bill, which obviously McConnell is just going to spike. And then we're going to have some hearings, which I think are are much more important. I'd like to hear what uh, DeJoy has to say. Greensboro, North Carolina resident. Once again, it all comes back to the old North state. Why is that? Yeah. How is it all? Is it because you guys, is because we're doing this podcast and you guys from North Carolina, so now everything this year has to come back? I think what happened was, so DeJoy is the postmaster general. He has no experience in post offices. But he does have some experience in logistics. He made his money running logistics companies, and now he's heavily invested in a bunch of competitors to the post office, and he's a Republican mega donor, so he was the perfect person to put in charge of the post office. And he lives in a big house in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I heard the reason he moved to Greensboro was because he did hear our podcast, and he was like, I love their energy. I love their take no prisoners, no bullshit attitude. I love their references Mm -hmm. to mid-90s North Carolina indie rock bands. I'm uprooting my family and we're moving to Greensboro, North Carolina. And it's from that location where I will bring the post office crashing to the ground in order to make sure that my beloved leader, Donald Trump, wins re-election. So it is kind of me and John's fault that DeJoy lives in Greensboro, North Carolina. Well... Remember that on our last podcast episode, Starley had said she was so bothered by how people in Congress weren't working hard enough or taking all these catastrophes seriously enough. And she was offended that they were like taking time for themselves. And as of last Friday, they were going on recess. Friday, I know you were going bonkers. Oh, my God. I was so upset by it. I shot awake in the middle of the night with the dread of knowing that we'd been abandoned. Friday was rough because Friday felt like, Oh, okay. So I guess we're just all on our own now. This is going to be like that Kevin Costner movie about the postman where a postman (laughs) delivers the mail in a post-apocalyptic wilderness and tries to rebuild society on his own. Like Pelosi just decided (laughs) to fucking hang out with her refrigerators and eat ice cream while all this stuff is happening. Recess was not a great look. Not a great look, I have to say. So they're back. That's good. Now it's a better look. Okay. What difference it's going to make, I don't know. They're going to hold a bunch of hearings, and then they're going to tweet, this simply must not stand. Send tweet. Boom. Empire comes crumbling to its knees. I mean, the truth is they are at the mercy of McConnell, so they can come up with this bill, but it's not going to become law. Uh, The hearings hopefully will learn something. There's clearly slowdowns that are occurring. Why they're occurring, everyone seems convinced that it's a sabotage of the election system. I don't know if that's the reason why it's occurring, but it could affect the election. Wait, why didn't you think, what is your theory? I I mean, just everything I've read is these were plans that were in place even before DeJoy took over this position. Are you reading this from the Republicans saying this or? Oh, here we go. No, no, I'm not reading this from the Republicans. There were plans to stop these particular sorting machines. There were plans to get rid of a lot of these extra mailboxes. I think it's clear that it is having an effect. But at the same time, the post office has put out these warnings to states saying, Here are the things you need to do to make sure that mail-in voting 
run smoothly, you know, whether you're going to do marketing mail or whether you're going to do prepaid mail, there could be slowdowns. They are warning the public in some ways. If there really was like a major conspiracy, it seems like they wouldn't be doing that. And DeJoy also is, he is responsible. He has to report to like a postal service board of governors, uh, which got, which has Democrats and Republicans on it. So I'm not saying there's not some giant sabotage occurring. I'm just not convinced. I'd like to hear from him in the, in these hearings. Is any of this going to affect the election? Yes, it could affect the election. But the fact that there's so much attention on this right now, I think people are going to do everything they can to vote earlier. I think really the major thing is, is that the post office might be running a little bit slower. They, the, the post office is losing money because of the pandemic. So DeJoy is trying to save as much money as possible. No overtime. No overtime. So they're leaving mail. They're saying you have to leave your truck at five o'clock, whether you have all the mail or not. They're trying this new logistical operation he came up with where they take your box of guitar effects pedals that was supposed to be shipped two day special delivery and you put it in the corner of a warehouse for a month and see if it just gets there on its own through a wormhole that might spontaneously open up. You're a victim of the new mail delivery times. Yeah. My medicine was late. Yeah. <laughs> this was my mental health medicine and it was late. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, wait, I mean, I mean it's real. When I finally got, Ma- I was like, God, what if this had been like my insulin or something? Like, what if this was like something that was truly yeah. important? And I'm checking the tracker and the tracker's like, mm, we don't know. Good luck. It's maddening. But mail-in voting was always going to affect the election, even if the post office was running at, you know, peak performance. You know, people are going to make mistakes. They're not familiar with how it works. So I don't think it's going to affect the election. I feel like this is a long-winded way of long John Silver. Feels like he's on the edge of saying everyone is overreacting. Everybody calm down. This isn't going to make a difference. And long John. Maybe. Yes. I'm not sure I can go there with you. And I have a feeling that the day after the election, you're going to be the one standing at the podium with a pile of tear-stained papers offering a heartfelt apology. Because you said weeks ago... Oh, nothing's going to happen with the post office. Nothing's going to happen with the post office. And I'm going to say, things are happening with the post office, bro. Things are definitely happening with the post office right now. And as long as there is chaos, chaos is an environment in which Donald Trump feels very comfortable Mm -hmm. and he can sow division and bullshit about mail-in voting. I do think it's a big deal. And I don't think these fucking hearings are going to make any difference. If if fucking Brett Kavanaugh can survive a hearing, there's nobody who can't survive a hearing in the Trump administration. I think the fact that people are so worried about this and are now like, I, I'm scared to vote by mail and they may just throw up their hands and give up. I think that could have more of an effect than mail actually being lost or late. Can I say John's other prediction that he got wrong? Oh, please do. I like this. Holding the powerful to account. This was off air, but John said that when the unemployment extension benefits were about to expire, I expressed concern that they weren't going to extend them. And John said it would be fine. He said they would have to extend them. And I was wrong. You're 0 for 2. I was clearly wrong on that. I am not clearly wrong on the post office yet. TBD. TBD. Yes. They are calling these hearings, and I suppose that's encouraging. And Pelosi is bringing everybody back from recess, and that feels like the bare minimum of what should be expected of our representatives during multiple simultaneous nationwide crises. 
And they finally actually brought out the big guns, the heavy hitters. Chuck Schumer made a joke on Twitter. Just imagine the fear and the abject terror that Postmaster General DeJoy must have felt when he saw this tweet from Senator Chuck Schumer. If Postmaster General DeJoy... (laughs) I mean, Trump probably saw this and was like, oh, fuck, they're on to us. The noose is tightening. Chuck Schumer... If Postmaster General DeJoy doesn't testify before Congress next week, as Speaker Pelosi and I have requested, he should be stamped, returned to sender, and removed from his position. Male analogy for the win. (laughs) Quaking in your boots, Chuck Schumer. Now, do you think he wrote that or do you think some intern wrote that? I know. This is what we were yelling about the other day. My question is, who is who is this tweet for? Is this tweet for my mom? Is this the kind of tweet where my mom will call me up and be like, you know, Chuck Schumer had a pretty funny tweet. (laughs) He said DeJoy should be stamped and returned to Stenner. And that's funny because male. I think he thinks it's for everybody. I I think he thinks it's really good. I don't think you should be cute, though. Don't be cute. Be mad. That tweet embodies everything that was wrong with what's been happening with their negotiations. All they're doing is fighting each other and then coming out to us and doing little zingers. The zingers are not going to get it done. I like the zingers. Oh, my God, John, you're getting on my last nerve today. Oh, my God. I like Dan Rather bringing his zingers. John's always trolling us with these Dan Rather zingers. I don't think we have a male problem. I think we have a male problem. And male is spelled two different ways. It takes all kinds. (laughs) See, you're the kind of person who's so excited that all these Republicans are going to be speaking at the DNC because you want to take all kinds to lose this election by making everyone as unenthusiastic as possible. That's right. I love that Kasich is speaking tonight. It's going to be so awesome. John Kasich, anti-union, anti-abortion rights, former Republican governor speaking at the DNC, and he's already publicly calling out AOC and press comments. Again, who is that helping? What kind of zinger is that? Who is this party for? They got fucking Meg Whitman, disgraced former CEO of Hewlett Power. Now she's the CEO of Quibi. They're like, oh my God, if we could get the CEO of Quibi on the mic, these kids are going to go crazy for Joe Biden. Have you read about Quibi? This is all these Democratic consultants sitting around. You know, have you guys seen Quibi? It's like a TV network, but you can only watch it on your phone and you can't share it with anybody. So it's almost like it only exists in your mind. And they've already burnt through like a trillion dollars. And it's a network that takes place entirely on our phone that launched during a pandemic when we had nothing to do but look at our phones. And they still couldn't get people to watch it. They still could not get people to watch it. And then they blame the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, I'm a total Russiagate fan, but that's like Hillary just being like, the only reason I lost is because Vladimir Putin helped Donald Trump. These guys are out here being like, yeah, well, Quibi didn't really work because it happened during a pandemic, which is the worst possible time for a phone-based <laughs> entertainment network to launch when everyone's sitting on their ass depressed with nothing to do staring at their phones all day. Now, now they have the woman in charge of this dipshit app speaking at the DNC. For who? Who? What undecided voters going to be like, Martha, get in here. They got that woman from Quibi. She's talking about how we all need to come together. You know, I was on the fence about this one, but damn, they got that Quibi gal. I'll fix a vote for Joe Biden. So you think AOC would be better? Of course. You think AOC would excite undecided voters? I think people with charisma, it doesn't matter what they're saying. They're charismatic. It's like Obama. AOC is like Obama level. Nobody is going to come away from Meg Whitman's speech 
being like, I've made up my mind. You have to have some Republicans speak because, look, the the, the Democratic National Convention, these conventions in general, are they're not fan service for Democrats. I anymore. understand that. You're speaking to these undecided voters. And unfortunately, it's hard for us to imagine, but John Kasich has a following and some boring independent, moderate type of course. Republicans in Ohio, which is an important swing state. And it's the same reason Zell Miller you know, spoke at the 2004 Republican National Convention and, and some Democrat will be speaking at the GOP convention this year and the GOP people will be pissed off about it. But it, it has an effect. Uh, does it have an effect? Well, how do we know? I guess that's my question. Does it have an effect? And is it more effective for the DNC to court Republican-leaning independents than just to go out and register and inspire millions of people who just never voted because they feel like there's nothing in it for them? Yeah. They're doing both. They better be doing both, John. They better be doing both. If they are, I'm happy. How long is AOC talking at the convention? A pretty long time. 60 seconds. Gone in 60 seconds. Nicolas Cage stealing a car. (laughs) They don't even give her longer than it takes Nicolas Cage to steal a car in a movie where the whole point is how amazingly quickly he can steal cars. (laughs) And Bloomberg. I know. Look, I'd rather hear AOC than Bloomberg, but Bloomberg got 2.5 million votes in the primary. So he's got to speak. Maybe they have to let him speak because it's the rules, but they could let him speak for 10 seconds. No one. The only reason people were on board with Bloomberg last time is because they thought that he was going to be the only one who could beat Trump. That has proven not to be the case. They should put Bloomberg on stage and alongside him, a kid from the Bronx with a big gulp soda pop and a straw. And they say, (laughs) Bloomberg, you have as long to speak as it takes this kid to burn through this big gulp. You reap what you sow, homie. (laughs) Bloomberg is pretty charismatic. Yeah, he's pretty charismatic. Mike Bloomberg on a Zoom call, people are just going to be clapping and screaming in the streets after that. You I mean, know? the whole it's thing gonna is going to be, gonna so be weird. No one's going to watch it. It's going to be such a... Who cares? John, do you still feel like... Because I will say that over the last week, I feel like Trump is going to win re-election. North Carolina has flipped back to red on predicted John. That's fine. North Carolina is not a, a state that is going to decide. And North Carolina was always going to be the closest. So it's going to flip back and forth. I don't know, man. Everything with the post office and then maybe with the anticlimax of Kamala Harris, I don't feel very good about November. I don't think that was anticlimactic. I think people were really psyched about that. I agree. Really? Yeah. With Kamala, the excitement comes from there is something different that happened. We casually elected a black woman for vice president. And the fact that it was- I honestly don't think it's that big a deal, Starley. I have to say, we've had an African-American president. We've had Geraldine Ferraro. Geraldine Ferraro was over 20 years ago. Like, it's not that historic. She was 36 years ago. That is just- Really? That's insane. (laughs) Yeah. It's still a big deal. All right. Okay. I mean, I'm happy- It is absolutely a big deal. The, the, the acceptance of it happening, that gave me hope for what November is going to be. We can't help but change. We are changing. And- there's so much bad stuff happening. Right. And bad stuff is happening because they throw everything they can against the change. They can't stop it from happening. I got to think about it some more. We'll continue this discussion. Okay. John, what do you have coming up next? For bet of the week? I, there's nothing. There's nothing going on. on oh, on my God. Right you now. guys are so obsessed with this VP market. You can't see the forest for the trees. Look, I need to relax. Okay, and you're right. I support. <laughs> Scrooge McDuck over here sitting, <laughs> diving into his, his basement swimming pool that's filled with golden ingot. You know what an ingot is? Mm-mm. Never mind. John Kimball, we give you permission after weeks of predicted VP mania 
to relax. Don't make a bet this week. Kick your feet up, lean back, take a break from Predict It. It gives you that much more time to look at Twitter <laughs> and just enjoy your wealth. Starly, I would also give you permission to not make a bet this week if you also want to enjoy i can't believe you made 250 dollars on kamala harris and i'm the one who knew it from the get-go and i didn't make buckus i really did tend to my garden in the end and a bountiful harvest was enjoyed <laughs> feels good it's awesome well then i will be the lone bettor of the week and what i'm going to do is continue to tend to my little garden which is the massachusetts democratic senate primary this race was so close, and then it flipped, and now, lo and behold, it looks like Ed Markey, incumbent, is running away with it. I'm happy to see that. He put out a big, bold ad earlier this week that was uh, a little bit stirring to someone like me, so I'm just going to go ahead and buy even more shares of, yes, Ed Markey is going to win this primary, which takes place on September the 1st. Some of you will remember that last week we solicited Joe Kennedy, the third supporters, to write in and tell us why they were supporting Kennedy over Markey. We heard no feedback from those supporters. We didn't get anything from Pelosi. See, now John is trolling me again because earlier this week I got all mad that it had turned out that Nancy Pelosi's PAC had donated to Joe Kennedy, where she had said over the years that you should never primary an incumbent Democrat. And then she turned around and supported those slightly less progressive Joe Kennedy over Ed Markey, come to find out that PAC donation came in before Kennedy ran for the Senate seat, and also that she had also donated the same amount to Ed Markey. So John is zinging me there for not yeah. doing my due diligence before I have a little hissy fit online. Because I knew that lesson. was bullshit when it came out. Yeah, okay. So John is cool and David sucks. Okay, so everybody's happy now. <laughs> God's in his heaven and all's right with the world, right, John? I think that's it. We have to end the show, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> John, you have to take us out. Get us stoked for the next week. Everybody have a great week. I hope nobody gets <laughs> COVID. We've got a bunch of COVID clusters here in Chapel Hill, UNC. The, the Daily Tar Heel came out with an op-ed this morning saying that UNC has created a clusterfuck, and it is not wrong. Daily Tar Heel is a student newspaper. Orange County has gone from the safest county in North Carolina to, I predict, one of the most dangerous counties within the next several weeks. But it's not really UNC's fault. It's the Board of Governors. That's right. The Board of Governors, which uh, controls the UNC system, has, uh, for their own uh, partisan reasons, forced this upon UNC Chapel Hill and all of the other individual UNC system schools. So it's all bad. First world country, USA, first world country, number one, flag on the moon. <laughs> Can't make the laptops work for our kids to learn. Enjoy the DNC, Quibi. Don't forget to watch all your favorite Quibi shows on your phone. You can watch it in landscape or portrait. It works both ways. Quibi, Meg Whitman, speaking at the DNC, one love for Quibi. Go Quibi. I might actually watch some of this stuff tonight because I think it's going to be so weird. I just kind of want to see it. Watch it on Quibi. <gasps> Watch it in 30-second spurts. Ocasio-Cortez is worth two Quibi spurts. <laughs> two 30-second spurts. John, do the credits and everything. Uh, I don't have the credits, but we're a Radio Point production with... Um, <laughs> They're going to love it. Daniel Powell and you Richard don't have Corson the Google Doc? are our executive producers. And Go to the bottom of the Google Doc. <clears throat> 
Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. Send your election prediction questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Election Profit Makers is sponsored by predictit.org. Go to predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20 and receive up to $20 in matching funds. As we hover around the 600 Patreon supporter number, I would like to encourage you, if you've ever thought about joining our Patreon, now is the time because if we do reach 666 Patreon supporters, we'll release a special satanic-themed episode, purely Lucifer-based. If we can reach that magic number, 666, it's a human number, the number of the beast. So if you've been on the fence about joining us on Patreon, now is the time uh, so that we can descend with Beelzebub together. And rate and review us on iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts. What about? Or Spotify. What about? Overcast. What about? Stitcher. Starly, keep saying what about, and John, keep naming podcast platforms. (laughs) Pocketcast. I would have one that would be called CompuSound Podcast. Rate and review us on CompuSound, the 1980s podcast network on audio cassette by mail. Okay. Now you have to say goodbye to us, John. Goodbye, Starly. <laughs> John, you be me and I'll be you. Goodbye, David. Bye. I hope you guys have a nice week and uh, stay safe. Just try to keep a good attitude or something. You can never end on a note of hope. I know. But he's the one who's the most hopeful. The irony is sick. Bye. 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 Bye.